on today's episode, Daddy's Home. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked on Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Wednesday, June 28th. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more and visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started and whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener thank you for stopping by and making locked on stars your first listen every single day be sure to subscribe to the show on youtube follow along on your favorite podcasting platform of choice we are always free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen to the show and to kick things off uh, we've been blessed with a big time headline for the dallas stars this offseason the first of what will probably be a few different re-signings, um, a pretty important one at that. On Tuesday afternoon, the Dallas Stars announced that they would be extending 34-year-old forward Evgeny Dodonov to a two-year deal worth $4.5 million, clocking in at $2.25 million a season. Since he joined the team back at the trade deadline in this previous season, he was one of the Stars' best players. He scored three goals and 12 assists in 23 regular season games in the second half of the season. And then in the postseason, he was an absolute weapon for the Dallas Stars, scoring four goals and 10 points in total across 16 playoff contests. This is an incredibly great signing for the Dallas Stars as they were looking to re-sign either you know, uh, Evgeny Dodonov or Max Domi. And so now it kind of seems like we know the answer of which of those players are going to be staying in Dallas long-term. And Evgeny Dodonov, for one, is a great candidate to stay with the Stars for the next couple of seasons. He seemed to have found some great chemistry very early on in his time with the team, with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnston. And now as a result, uh, the Stars have two of their most consistent lines locked down for this season. Of course, you have the top line of Jason Robertson, Rope Hintz, and Joe Pavelski, but now you also have a line that, amongst all the other chaos on the team, seemed to be consistent across the board in terms of production and just overall continuity with Jamie Benn, Wyatt Johnston, and then there was a revolving door at times for the third position, but once Dodonoff joined the team and joined that line, there was really no looking back for that trio or for Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff. There was obviously something there, and obviously Dodonoff and DeBoer have some sort of connection and a great respect for one another, as this is not the first time that they've been together. Even or I guess now two seasons ago uh, in Las Vegas, these two were together playing, Dodonoff playing for DeBoer under his leadership and doing so again in Dallas. I think he was excited to get him, DeBoer was, during the deadline time last season, and I'm sure he's excited to have another sappy veteran on the roster, a guy who doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, had only been once before joining the Stars this year, but has seen a ton of NHL hockey and seemed to have garnered the respect of everyone in the locker room during his brief time with the Stars 
down the stretch of the regular season, but then especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, as he was, again, one of the most effective players on the roster. And this is overall a very great value deal for Evgeny Dodonov that allows him to stay on a competitive team in what could be the final few years of his NHL career, starting to get up there in age. Uh, and, you know, he can be competitive on a competitive team for a good price. Making $4.5 million over a two-year duration is pretty nice at this point in your career. And, you know, you're not taking up too much money for the Stars who are still needing to do a few other things here this offseason. The Stars now have around $5.1 million to work with in cap space, according to Cap Friendly, which I kind of hinted at this earlier, but that means that the likelihood of re-signing Max Domi is incredibly low which I know is disappointing. It's disappointing for me as well. And I'm not saying that it absolutely 100% will not happen, but there's just a few other things that probably take higher priority for the Dallas Stars and probably should rightfully so uh, for the remainder of the offseason. But this is all assuming that the Stars don't make any massive moves, that you know they don't move on from any massive contracts, either through trade uh, or you know any other means really. Uh, and I'm, you know, talking about maybe a Foxa trade or maybe a few of the defensemen like Hockenpah and Miller guys that, you know, whether they have a no move clause or no trade clause or not, uh, some players are easier to move than others. I'm not necessarily expecting a huge trade, but also wouldn't surprise me uh, as Jim Neal sometimes is a little bit unpredictable with what he can have up his sleeve. But around $5.1 million for the Stars to work with, the likelihood of re-signing Max Domi, not incredibly high as the Stars also still need to find uh, an extension for Ty Delandria. I would imagine the priority is to sign him before Domi because Delandria is younger. He was drafted by the organization. And you would imagine that they want to keep him around long-term as opposed to a guy like Domi, while he is good, while he still is very serviceable at this juncture in his career, probably won't last you as long and maybe not as much uh, worth an investment for the Stars at this juncture of where they are uh, just in terms of where the franchise is at, competing for championships, you'd love to have Domi on your team, and maybe it could still happen. You never know what kind of moves the team will make, but there's also the need to hopefully restructure and retool the blue line, maybe move a few players in and out and acquire some new defensemen and make that defensive group a little bit tighter and stronger. I feel like that, mixed with the need to extend Ty Delandria, just leaves Max Domi out on the side out to dry because Domi, rightfully so, wants a pretty nice contract as he's been all over the place. He's been moved all over the league over the past handful of seasons. He's been always one of the biggest names around the trade deadline and then signing these one-year extensions. And I think that he's finally ready to settle down somewhere and hopefully make some pretty good money, which I think he definitely deserves. And I know that he's expressed interest in staying in Dallas. And I know it seems like the stars would be interested in keeping him. It just doesn't necessarily seem possible. Just because both parties are interested doesn't mean that it is a guarantee that it's going to happen. I would gladly be proven wrong, but also do understand that Delandria is probably a more worthy aspect of being invested in at this point in both players' careers. And I also do want to see a different group on the blue line. There's a few players that I know have to stay and a few players that I'm okay with staying, uh, but ultimately would like to see some improvements elsewhere. And as much as I hate to see Max Domi go, uh, I think it is necessary. But at the end of the day, I'm excited for Evgeny Dodonov to get this opportunity to stay in Dallas. Very excited for what he brings to the table, what he brings to the lineup. I think he's going to be a very great underrated player for this organization. 
no no need for him to be in the spotlight, need for him to be the guy. Uh, he'll just be a very effective depth piece. And as we've seen over the past several seasons, uh, depth helps win championships from Tampa to Colorado to Vegas. Uh, all of those teams have incredible depth in the bottom six. And the Stars already have some pretty nice bottom six players, but now they've secured another one in Evgeny Dodonov. Well, from one Stars forward to a couple of others, the Dallas Stars might not have won any NHL awards, but they still had a few players get recognized for their seasons. We'll talk about Jason Robertson and Wyatt Johnston and the honors that they were given on Monday night coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com today. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, trademark used with permission. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Stars your first listen of the day. The NHL draft is tonight. So after today's show, be sure to check out Locked On's 2023 NHL mock draft special. The local host of Locked On NHL have made their picks and host Gil Martin and Hadi Kalakesh break down every selection over a three-day mock draft event. Find the episodes on Locked On NHL on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. All three of those episodes available now if you're interested in seeing the mock draft from our very own Locked On NHL hosts. Of course, I don't make an appearance because the Dallas Stars don't have a first-round pick during this evening's first round of the 2023 NHL draft. At least, well, at least they don't have a pick while I'm recording this just before 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. So maybe that's subject to change. But regardless, if, if you love all things hockey, you're excited for the draft, so be sure to check out our off-season draft content. But continuing on with all things Dallas Stars hockey, the Stars, as I mentioned earlier in the week, not really up for any major awards in Nashville on Monday, but a couple of Dallas Stars players did receive some proper recognition for their excellent seasons, starting with Jason Robertson, who was selected onto the 22-23 NHL first all-star team. He joins the likes of Connor McDavid, David Pasternak, Adam Fox, Eric Carlson, and Linus Olmark. Uh, these players chosen to this team as a representation of the being the best at their respective positions. McDavid, Pasternak, and Robertson, three of the most dominant forwards of the regular season. Fox and Carlson dominating the defensive front. And Linus Olmark having an incredible season in the crease for the Boston Bruins. Robertson also finished fourth in voting for the Hart Trophy, finishing, of course, behind McDavid, Pasternak, and Matthew Kachuk. Uh, I was really surprised to see Jason Robertson finish at such a high ranking. I, I honestly, even though he did have a sensational season, I shouldn't be surprised because of how well he played. But I think I'm more surprised that he was given the recognition that he really did deserve being one vote or not one vote, but one spot away from being a finalist for one of the most prestigious trophies in the sport is pretty incredible. I would have expected him to fall around the six or seven mark. Honestly, would have, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that he finished above Matthew Kachuk. 
I know that the Dallas Stars had a overall better regular season than the Florida Panthers, but uh, you know uh, maybe that factored into it somewhat. But Kachuk uh, was a phenomenal player from start to finish, not just in the playoffs, even when the Panthers were not necessarily at their best. Matthew Kachuk was still doing his thing night in and night out. So I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, and I should just be happy that a Stars player is getting proper recognition making first team all NHL or the first all-star team, whatever you want to call it, honestly wouldn't have surprised me to see Kachuk get put on first team as opposed to Jason Robertson, but Kachuk did make the second team uh, NHL all-stars, but very pleased that Robertson made it on the first team and very pleased that he finished fourth uh, in Hart Trophy voting, although that really didn't matter, I guess, if you finished not first, but we all knew who was going to finish uh, first in that race with Connor McDavid having one of the more dominant seasons we've seen from anybody. Uh, in what, 25 years. Uh, but then on the rookie front, the, the awards did not stop. Stars rookie Wyatt Johnston was recognized for his outstanding debut season with a selection to the 22-23 NHL All-Rookie Team, joining the likes of Matty Beneers uh, of the Seattle Kraken, Owen Power from the Buffalo Sabres, Matias Michelli from the Arizona Coyotes, Jake Sanderson from the Ottawa Senators, and Stuart Skinner of the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, Skinner, Power, and Beneers, all finalists for the Calder Trophy. Wyatt Johnston finished top five, actually garnering a fifth-place finish in the Calder race, which I guess overall is nice that he was regarded as the you know the fifth-best rookie or in the top five of rookies this past season. I know that all of you are not surprised to hear this. I still think he should have been top three, and I think that there maybe should have been a case that he could have won. I understand why Matty Beneers won. He definitely had more points, more assists, but a 24-goal season from a 19-year-old kid uh, is absolutely astounding, especially on a team where he didn't need to play that well. Uh, but I know that the Stars and their fans are absolutely glad that he did. Very impressive season from Johnston, and I don't think this will be the last time that he pops up on a team like this. Of course, he can't pop up on the rookie team again, but I expect him to be one of the better players on the Stars roster for a long time to come. There were a few other Stars players that came relatively close to being finalists for a few awards. Jake Ottinger and Joe Pavelski also finished fifth in a few different categories. Of course, Jake Ottinger finishing fifth in the voting for the Vesna Trophy for the NHL's best goaltender and Joe Pavelski coming in at fifth for the Lady Bing Trophy, a player given really to honor and respect sportsmanship amongst players that also tend to play very, very well. I understand that both of those guys had great seasons in those regards uh, and should have been on those ballots, so it's nice to see that, that they did get some recognition and honestly was a little bit surprised to see Ottinger up that high, but I will absolutely take it, and I think that after his performance against Calgary in the 2022 playoffs, and then a really solid 2023 or 22-23 season. And for the most part, a nice playoff stand up until the end there. I think he's finally starting to get some recognition as you know a top 10 goalie in this league, if not maybe top five as voting for the Vesna Trophy goes. But there was one area uh, that caught my eye and not in a good way. The worst stat of the night on Monday was Miro Haskinen finishing seventh. Yes, you heard me. Seventh in Norris Trophy voting. Of course, we all knew that Eric Carlson, Adam Fox, and Kale McCarr were the finalists, so I understand that he was not going to be top three, but with all the other players finishing top five in a lot of their categories, I expected to see Haskinen in the same boat. I expected him to be fourth or fifth in the finalist list for or Norris Trophy voting, and he finished seventh. 
Above him, besides Carlson, Fox, and McCarr, were Hampus Lindholm, Josh Morrissey, and Dougie Hamilton. No disrespect to those players. Again, anytime I talk about these awards and making my case for Stars players, I mean in no way to discredit the players of the other teams and organizations who had great seasons, are great players, and deserve recognition. But anyone who knows a, a lick about the NHL, anyone who knows hockey and watches the sport and watches all the teams to the best that they can would choose Miro Haskinen over any of those three any day. Lindholm, Morrissey, and Hamilton, all good players. But I don't think anybody in their right mind, if they had the option to start a new, you're starting a new NHL team, a new NHL franchise, and you get to pick. Uh, let's take away the three Norris finalists. Let's take away Carlson, Fox, and McCarr. And you look and you say, you can pick a defenseman. No one in their right mind is picking Lindholm, Morrissey, or Hamilton before they're picking Miro Haskinen. And honestly, there might be some people that would pick Haskinen before McCarr, Fox, or Carlson. That's just my two cents. Miro Haskinen, as discussed on this show and really in Dallas Stars circles everywhere, uh, is by far one of the most disrespected and underappreciated players in the game. And I cannot believe that he finished seventh in Norris Trophy voting. Really thought that he should have been a lot higher and maybe he'll get to where he deserves on the voting list one day and maybe he won't. And whether or not that happens, Dallas Stars and their fans know what they have in Haskinen uh, and he's going to continue to help this team win games and hopefully continue to win playoff series. And hopefully we're seeing him lift a Stanley Cup before long and then it will sting less uh, whenever he doesn't get the recognition that he so definitely deserves uh, for how outstanding of a defenseman he is every single season well the nhl awards have come and gone the draft is starting tonight but we're already starting to get more information on the upcoming season the dallas stars released their schedule on tuesday and we'll take a look at it and i'll give you my initial thoughts on the schedule release coming up next third and final segment of today's episode of locked on stars the NHL and a lot of their teams have released their schedules for the 23-24 season, including the Dallas Stars. And it's always fun to take a look at the schedule. And even though it's still you know the middle of summer, the end of June, we can start to get excited uh, about these games coming up. People probably already starting to make plans if they're wanting to travel to a certain city and see the Stars play against a certain team. Or maybe you're excited about a certain team coming into town. And you get the opportunity to watch, you know, the opposing players on the other team. I know I'm always excited when other superstars come to town like the Oilers and you get to watch Connor McDavid or last year, especially with a lot of the Eastern Conference teams. You only get to see them come to Dallas once a season. So last year was my first time getting to watch the Capitals in person. So getting to watch Ovechkin, uh, so on and so forth. It's a ton of fun to get to see the schedule for the first time and see how things are going to lay out. And there are a few different things that caught my eye for one. The Stars season will begin at home against the St. Louis Blues, and it will end at home against the St. Louis Blues. The Stars season opener is on October 12th at the American Airlines Center against the Blues, and then their final game of the season on April 17th, also at the AAC against the St. Louis Blues, which is just kind of funny how it worked out that way. Uh, but also nice to see that the Stars are getting a home opener after opening on the road over the past two seasons and really... Ha you know, they haven't had a true uh, 
normal home opener since 2019 when they opened against the Boston Bruins because then, you know, COVID hit. And I think they're for, if I remember correctly, the, the COVID shortened season with the, you know, the weird divisions and whatnot, I believe they started at home. I know they started later than everybody else because of COVID, but I believe they started at home. But even if they did, it was what a 25% capacity crowd, not quite the same. So I'm excited that the guys will get to play their first regular season game in front of what will likely be a sellout crowd at the AAC a ton of fans excited for the new season to come. And the start of the season, I'm pretty pleased with the first few games. Uh, it's a pretty healthy mix of teams that I expect to be bad. So teams that the Stars should get relatively easy wins over and rack up a few early points. Teams like the Anaheim Ducks, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. But there's also a very solid mix of teams that I expect to be good and teams that should give the stars a challenge early in the season, including Vegas uh, going to the fortress in game two of the season. The blues, of course, during opening night, they'll also match up in the first month of the season against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I also took notice that the Dallas stars longest road trip of the season will only be four games long. However, that will happen three times over the duration of the season, which isn't too bad, all things considered. They, I know that they had a few three, four-game road trips last year, but they also had a road trip that lasted six entire games. So it's nice to see that they'll never be away from home longer than four games, although three times, and I believe all of them coming in the back half of the season after the turn of the new year. But to counter that, the Stars also will have three five game homestands throughout the duration of the season, which will be incredibly nice to have uh, and should be very nice to have those spread out throughout the season, a pretty healthy mix of home and away outside of the month of February. In theory, that is probably the toughest month of the season with only four games in the friendly confines of their home arena and nine games away from home. And two of those four home games will be against very good teams. One of them, the Carolina Hurricanes, and then also the Edmonton Oilers. And when I was looking at that game, I noticed it said an 11.30 a.m. start time. So I'm guessing the Dallas Mavericks must be playing a home game that day as well. That's a Saturday, uh, Saturday that they're playing the Edmonton Oilers in February at home. So I'm assuming the Mavericks play that night at home too. Otherwise, why would the Dallas Stars be having a game start at 11.30 a.m. on a Saturday? That's wild. Uh, but we'll worry about that when we get there. That is a long ways away. But February going to be an incredibly challenging month. But who knows uh, where, what the standings will look like and what the stars will be looking like at that juncture in the season. Also caught my eye, and I noticed a few other people pointing this out on social media as well, that the stars will be taking on the Blackhawks back-to-back uh, -to, -back to end 2023 on December 29th, but then also on New Year's Eve, which means we'll be getting back-to-back -back games of two players that should be in the running to hopefully be contending for the Calder Trophy in Logan Stankoven of the Dallas Stars and Connor Bedard, who, you know, you're hearing this on Wednesday, will likely uh, be a Chicago Blackhawk by the end of the day once the Blackhawks select him with the first overall pick. I know that, you know, last year's game against the San Jose Sharks on New Year's Eve was one of the best regular season games of the year, just in terms of energy and atmosphere. And even though the Blackhawks aren't necessarily a good team, it should be fun uh, to watch two of got two guys that should be amongst the NHL's best rookies in Stan Coven and Bedard go head to head. And these are just a few thoughts on the schedule. The schedule will continue to grow more interesting and intriguing as the offseason continues to go on and as teams kind of start to take shape after the draft, after trades, after free agency. But overall, pretty pleased with the schedule, especially at this point. Just excited to be getting some news and some ideas of when teams will be coming to town and you know, I, I got to go to one road game last year in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
and it was a ton of fun. My first experience watching really any NHL game outside of the AAC, but it was nice that the stars were there so I could, you know, cheer on my team, but then also get to experience another team's home atmosphere. Carolina was absolutely amazing. So, you know, now I'm maybe going to start planning on trying to visit somewhere else and, you know, try to take in at least one other team's home atmosphere. And hopefully uh, I can watch the stars while they're there. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Stars. Thank you so much again for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Follow along on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. We are always free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen. You can also find and follow us on social media. Just search Locked on Stars on Instagram and Twitter, as well as my personal Twitter account at Dane double underscore Lewis. And we'll be back here tomorrow, uh, either I will say, you know, reacting to anything that happens in the draft that pertains to the stars, don't necessarily anticipate much happening there, but you never know. Keep your fingers crossed. Maybe the stars will somehow end up with the first round pick or some other trade will go down involving them as a third party, possibly. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited to watch the draft and we'll be back here tomorrow, either with some updates on maybe who the stars can take in round two of the draft or any other possible news that breaks, whether it be an extension, uh, trade, anything of that nature. We'll be covering it here on Locked on Stars. So I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the draft tonight, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>